This is Single AF 101, a dating podcast for everyone. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Single AF 101. Today is going to be really exciting. I have another doctor here with me. I'm so happy to be able to have these type of guests onto the podcast. And today we are going to learn everything that you need to know with Dr. Akila Reynolds. So would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about uh, your relationship status and um, how you got to be where you are today. Sure. So my name is Dr. Akila. Thank you for having me. I am a licensed psychologist living in Los Angeles. And my relationship status, I was actually recently engaged in July. So I guess my relationships, thank you, it's engaged. That's awesome. Yes, I love that. How long have you guys been together? We've been together for about, I would say, a year and and over a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then you guys met here in L.A. We didn't, actually. You want to hear the story? Yes, of course. Um, He's also a psychologist by training Mm. as well, but a research psychologist. So we met... In 2015, in Washington, D.C., we were both a part of this week-long training at the American Psychological Association. And so I was kind of in work mode. Right. I don't really like to fraternize with people when <laughs> yeah. I'm working, like to separate my business from my pleasure. So he was just a, a man that was also a psychologist right. and a part of the program. A black man, though, I noted. And so sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, you don't see that frequently. Right. But he was just like a colleague, and we maintained contact with each other via Facebook. And over the years, we kind of like, he messaged me here and there, but mm-hmm. it was always on something friendly and, and really minor. Mm-hmm. But I would say... In the fall, no, no, in the winter of maybe was that 2018, he we started to talk with each other again, and he mentioned um, going back to school to get an MBA in finance, and so that per- like, like piqued my interest, like yeah. oh that's really cool, like mm-hmm. going into business because I've always wanted to do that, and we just kind of chatted back and forth, and he mentioned he had some family out here, I was like oh okay cool well, and that he's out here sometimes in the summertime, I was like okay cool well you know hit me up when you're out here, yeah <laughs> leave that alone, right, um, <laughs> but then like a month or two later I had some family stuff going on and I could really use like a black male psychologist right so I reached out to him asked him some questions Mm -hmm. and for like a consultation support type of thing and he really was super helpful (laughs) I'm sure he was (laughs) (laughs) he was super helpful answered my questions gave me a lot of resources and then Mm -hmm. like we just started talking from there so how did he get to LA um, uh, well, he has family here, but also me. Okay. I love <laughs> that, girl. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. I love that. Um, was it hard for you to date? Like, is it the, since you're both have like backgrounds in psychology, does mm-hmm. that make the relationship kind of weird in some way? You know, I never really wanted to date a psychologist, to be honest with you. But I think it actually helps mm. because I feel like he has like a gushy side of him and he has this sort of communication style that right. I don't I hadn't seen in a lot of men that I had dated before him. right yeah so he's already prepared you don't have to teach him because if it was the other case then you'd have to like like look communicate yeah <laughs> you yeah know? yeah like you know the basic things that I'm I feel like I struggle with all the time so I'm so glad you're here to talk out these topics with me because other than the obvious things like um maybe not dating on a dating app or maybe you know, finding self-love first before seeking out other people. There's like general 
ideas that you hear from your peers, right, mm-hmm. um, who are pretty much going through the same thing you are. So to have a psychologist <laughs> answer these questions for me, um, like from a prof- professional standpoint, um, I think I'm going to learn a lot because that's something that I've never done. So hopefully myself and the listeners will gain from the knowledge that you have in your experience. Sure. Um, so first, we're going to start by talking about setting boundaries. Um, I mean, my first question is, when do you begin to set these boundaries? Is it before you go on like a first date or is it should you get to know them first and then implement them? And then what are those boundaries? I think you're always setting boundaries and in, in, in any relationship, you're setting boundaries. So in friendships, at work, you're setting boundaries with family, you're right. setting boundaries. And that should be no different than in your dating life. So I say you set boundaries from the beginning and that starts with really knowing what is important to you and what you value and what you're looking for in a relationship or just like in when by relationship, I mean like in relation with another person, right. whether it's like a committed relationship or just like dating. So are, are there things that you say and how <laughs> would you say those things or is it just a manner of how you behave? I like I, I'm I think because I'm a psychologist, a part of it is um, how you behave. Like, I think a part of what you do is you kind of train people how to treat you, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn that the hard way <laughs> right. um, because I allow things that I did not like, but I allowed them anyway. And so in yeah. essence, I was training that person to treat me in a way that was incongruent with what I felt and appreciated. Right. So yeah. I would say start with your behaviors, mm-hmm. but definitely communicate verbally with people. Like if someone's not understanding what your boundaries are in terms of your behaviors, you you pair that with verbal communication. Right. But you can't just say, oh, I don't like something and then behaviorally accept it. Right. That makes sense. Um, it's definitely a good start because uh, I feel like for me, when it comes to setting boundaries, I'm really outspoken. Yeah. So it can be very harsh when I say it. And even when I, I guess maybe I haven't really tried to do it in a gentle manner. I think that it makes me feel like it's going to be a really vulnerable thing Mm -hmm. to do. But I guess it's kind of just how you have to play it. Otherwise, like, how do you expect the other person to know if you don't tell them or show them? Give me an example of what you think, like, is harsh or how it might come come away. I mean, depending on, like, where you are in a date, um, I think that prior to meeting somebody, so, um, see, I I need to stop because I'm I'm assuming that I haven't, I did not meet this individual in person, first of all. I'm assuming that I was messaging with them first. Um, But let's say we are messaging first, technology, you know, 21st century, whatever. Um, the boundaries for me, I think it's easier to set there before I meet someone. Mm. Um, but once I meet that person and I'm like sitting face to face with them, I feel like I don't want to give, like give off the wrong idea. Like we're here, we're normal people, we're, tr- we're chilling. Yeah. Maybe we can be friends from this. Um, but once I am aware of the fact that I am interested in dating, which is honestly why we're on a date in the first place, yeah. um, it's, I don't want to put pressure on that person by saying the wrong things and by setting those boundaries. Gotcha. And when you don't put put pressure, and I put it in quotes because I'm not sure that it's actually putting pressure. It's just kind of like yeah. being who you are. Right. But when you don't do that, what ends up happening? I mean, they, I, I assume that they're supposed to know yeah. automatically. And usually the case is that they have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what happens with people in, in relationship is you make assumptions and you enter people into a contract with you right. that they haven't agreed to. Right. Um, because you're thinking one thing, but you've actually behaviorally, behaviorally allowed something different. Right. Yeah. So would, the, would there also be necessary 
boundaries to set? Are there like levels to this and in, in okay. different phases of the relationship, right? So like before you meet, I guess, if you met on an app or wh however, or prior to actually going on your date when you're having the conversation and setting it up, which might not be in person. Yeah. Um, when you're on the date, are there boundaries that you set? And then like when it, you say you've dated for a while and you know, maybe there's going to be a relationship to happen. You're having a conversation about boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it's been so long before I've gotten to that spot. I'm like, is that yeah. how it works yeah, yeah. still? Or do we just like, look, I have no idea. But um, at that point, before getting into that relationship, are there more boundaries that need to be set and like talked about then? Or are they all talked about prior to the relationship and like in the beginning? I like to think of boundaries and as relationships as fluid and flexible and, and they can change a bit right. um, and they may evolve over time. So, yeah. for example, like if I'm on an app, I'll take my relationship, for example, when he was first when we first messaged each other, like mm -hmm. on Facebook, the boundary was like he had access to me via that avenue and mm -hmm. he and I would respond to him when I had time and when I felt like it. Right. Um, and as we grew and progressed, and these are minor communication boundaries, but I'm sure there's no, more. No, this is a good point, because, no, go ahead, continue. <laughs> <laughs> and so as we grew or progressed, like, for example, then, like, you know, he asked for my number, and could we right. have a conversation? Or no, we exchanged numbers prior to that, but he asked, he asked me, can we have a conversation? And I said yes, and I think I'm, and I might have given him sort of a time frame or something, for example. Mm -hmm. So when I was dating, um, I didn't really like people calling me or texting me or communicating with me after a particular time period because mm. I felt like I don't know you like that and so if you think you can have access to me right for okay. example I would call it booty call hours but and right, this is right, not right. To, this is not to shade anyone because like if, if that's what you're on that's what you're on yeah. but if that wasn't what I was on right then somebody calling me at nine o'clock at night or well no it's a good point night. as far as setting those boundaries because obviously like we don't know what people's intentions truly are so we have to set those boundaries so that we don't end up Messing with somebody whose intentions are not good. exactly, and then also like I'm just sleep or I'm in bed. I, I'm a I'm a grandma, so I'm in the bed at nine or ten. I don't really have time to be talking to people right. like that. Same, <laughs> exactly. So as me and my fiance, as we progressed over time, then you know having conversations at nine, ten o'clock at night, going to sleep on the phone, those kind of things. Yeah. They they were endearing to me, but had he called me at ten o'clock at night, you know, the first time he got my number, well, first of all, right. I wouldn't just answer the phone, <laughs> yeah. and I may or may not have called him back. Um, and so for me, those are my boundaries. Now, some people might say, well, you could at least communicate to him, and I think that's right. where people's um, their their values differ. Mm -hmm. I, I don't actually think that I have to communicate with every single person. Okay. So I was never the person. See, that's my problem. I feel <laughs> okay. like I do. Okay, tell me. <laughs> well, I just. I just feel like if I feel a certain way, I should be able to communicate that. And I try to do that in a manner that's not confrontational. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes not everything needs to be said or I don't need to give my energy to people as as frequently as I do. Right. And so I do think that you should be able to say whatever you want to someone. Like I am a firm believer that you can say whatever you want. Oftentimes it's about how you say it, maybe right. when you say it, the way you say it. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that the, sort of the, the view that I was coming from is that like, at one point, I was dating a lot of people, mm -hmm. and I just didn't have the time, right. the energy, or yeah. the care to yeah. communicate with every single person all the time. And so, for me, I would set those kind of boundaries with people that, like, I would communicate, or if I wasn't available, then I wouldn't communicate unless right. it was a serious situation. Yeah. So, as we leveled up, yeah. then my attention and my access to them, or their access to me, kind of changed. Right. That's a really good point, because... 
I have expectations of people that would not. So maybe a lot of people feel like you do. And maybe I'm the type of person to be like, I can call you whenever I want and you're supposed to answer <laughs> and you're supposed to communicate with me if you don't answer. But I probably would need to switch my form of communication in regards of in regards to setting those boundaries for myself and then relaxing and chilling like because other people have boundaries as well. That's actually not something that I've ever thought about. Um, but in regards to effective communicating skills, um, we have listed here I statements. So can you tell me what that is and how that works? Yeah. And on the communication piece, sort of in continuation of what you're saying, I think like those were my boundaries and those were my comforts and my right. values. And I think that whatever okay. was important for you, right. you can communicate that to that person. Because at the end of the day, like you're the one that's going to be in the relationship. So right. what works for me may not exactly work for you in terms right. of communication. Right, so I have to find my own. But I've never, I still have boundaries in regards to... Um, communication is not really something that I've ever thought about. Gotcha. That honestly. makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. In terms of communication and I statements. So basically, have you been in relationships with people where you're mad at them and you're like, you did this, right. you made me feel this way, yeah, yeah. that of kind course. of thing. Yeah, of course. And how does that <laughs> usually end? With people going back and forth and pulling up old situations that happened like months ago. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't usually go well. Exactly. So I statements is a way that, and by I, I mean like the letter I, not your I. <laughs> it's a way that you can communicate with someone very clearly and own how you feel. Mm -hmm. So if I was using an I statement, I would say, I feel angry. I feel angry that you didn't mm -hmm. return my call phone call. Mm -hmm. Or I felt um, I felt sad when I didn't hear from you. Mm -hmm. And that means it it owns. It's What's so your sweet. reaction? My <laughs> reaction is that's really sweet because the way that I would say it, I would, even me trying to say it mm -hmm. um, non-confrontationally still wouldn't be sweet. It'd just be direct. Say it. So what would you say? I don't appreciate you not calling me back. So, <laughs> <laughs> so cool, cool. Like that's, that's... A, so how did you how would you feel though like if that person didn't call you back right how do you feel about that um not cared about or just disregarded okay so if you were if you wanted to kind of engage and, and open up the lines of communication you might say I feel disregarded when you don't return my phone calls yeah um, and then you might add on um, like what you want or make a request, right. you know, okay. uh, in the future, I would appreciate mm -hmm. if you would give me a call back or send me a text message and let me know that you can't talk. Something like that. Right. How do you think that might differ from? <laughs> <laughs> it would be a lot different. I feel like just stating the this is how I feel part of it. It it makes you the victim. I guess. <laughs> Like, to be fair, like, I'm, like, it's like you're, I'm coming for you, but, like, in a way, it's like reverse psychology. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel, but other than the fact that, okay, let's not use it in a way to, like, manipulate, right? Sure, sure. It's a great way to express your feelings, and because me saying that I don't appreciate you not calling, it's not expressing any feeling, it's just pretty much making a statement. Sure. And the other person's not going to see the feeling that I had be behind that statement. Right. And I think that's the whole point of I statements. It's like every decision that we made is usually connected to some sort of feeling that we have, whether right. we identify that or not. Right. And so using I statements, and I think in terms of effectively communicating or being in relationship with people, it's about owning your feelings and being able to express that. Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> it is. Because even doing the podcast for me, it's not... Like, I don't ever really express my feelings, I don't think, on the podcast. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll say, like, I'll make statements and, like, give examples of things that have happened. But when it comes to, like, expressing your genuine, like, deep down feelings, like, that's yeah. hard. Yeah. So 
obviously doing on a podcast is different because the audience is really wide. But when you're doing it even with an individual person who, like, you want their response to be genuine and you want it to be, like, um, careful with, like, your feelings. But yeah. I guess depending on how you communicate that, it's going to depend on how they respond. Sure. But even my fear would be to communicate it and to be vulnerable and still not get the response that I want. There you go. And so your decision is being driven by fear, essentially. Right. And protecting yourself. Yeah. Which is common for so many people and to be honest with you like I'm not the best at that now but I am much better than I was maybe like five or ten years ago mm-hmm. maybe even three years ago like I would be be so upset like for stuff like that and, right. I, would, and I would say the same thing um, and I think just finding ways to really own how you feel and taking the risk to be vulnerable yeah. like that kind of might be helpful if it you probably want would be very helpful it probably would it would show other people's true colors mm-hmm like in an easy like to show if this person actually is um, yeah has good intentions or not or just it cares just generally speaking because somebody's response is like yeah I don't care I don't have to do anything I don't owe you anything type of response right 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 obviously that's not somebody who you want to be exactly probably communicating with at all but definitely not dating exactly um, so I guess being vulnerable opens up the gates to be able to see who those people yeah. really are and I want to say that many people and I mean not most people are all people but many people respond to vulnerability mm, so if right. you lead the way in being vulnerable many people especially the kind of people that you want to be in relation with will kind of take that appreciate it and they might be vulnerable back with right. you. right which sounds like a great way to build a relationship exactly honestly. that's what that's the point <laughs> that is the, that's the point and I can share with you like somewhat of an example of when I wasn't vulnerable in a relationship mm-hmm. and how like it really at the end of the day, it messed me up. Yeah. So I was dating someone and a situation had happened in our rows and I didn't think that they would. Well, first of all, I was slightly in the wrong. And also mm-hmm. um, I didn't think that there was a parts of what happened that the, I didn't think the person would believe me. Yeah. So I totally lied, mm. totally lied. Yeah. And they caught me on the lie. And instead of kind of like owning it originally and being vulnerable, I kind of was protective and just like just fell into the lie. Like just went all not fell into it. I specifically went into it. Like I made a decision to lie about it. Right. And on the back end, it ate me up inside. Like I knew that that wasn't the truth. Right. And so when I ended up did, you know, telling the truth later on, it was just kind of like too late, you know, too little, too late. Right. But after that situation, I really got on myself because at the end of the day, what I lost was an opportunity to see how this person would respond to my vulnerability. Right. Yeah. And so from that point on, I have worked extremely hard to be honest with people by first being honest with myself and telling people straight shooting how I feel Mm -hmm. so that we can cut through any of the BS. Right. Yeah. I've actually had a similar experience, except it was the opposite. I was mm-hmm. on the end. I was being lied to. Mm-hmm. And I knew the truth. Yeah. But they stuck with it. Man, <laughs> let me tell you. And I'm just looking at you like, I can't trust you now. Exactly. You are, I already know. <laughs> exactly. Know I mean? Right. Um, so it actually makes sense to hear that perspective and then to be on the other end of it and see how that plays out. Because it's not something I've thought about either. Girl. I'm going to keep saying that through this whole podcast. <laughs> girl, you just own it. Okay. Because, I mean, I feel like I'm. My biggest thing, I guess, just generally speaking as, like, a person is communication. Because I talk a lot. I always say, like, if there's an issue, I always, like, address it. Um, But there's so many ways about... I know for a fact that there's ways that I communicate that need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't know what those ways were. And the people that I was communicating with probably either... Maybe they tried to tell me and I didn't want to listen. Or they didn't care to because of the way that I was communicating with them. Um, It's been something that I have been mindful of. But obviously helps to know what actually needs to be fixed in order to, like, make progress. 
Um, so the next thing that we're going to talk about is going to be red and green flags for relationships. Yay. So the communication obviously is a green flag. Yep. Um, and we often talk about red flags, but I like talking about green flags, so I'll spend most of my time on that. But give us some red ones, but too. I, <laughs> okay, so for red <laughs> ones... But both, honestly. I will, I will. <laughs> okay, so for red ones, I think, like, I'm the person that I feel like you should use your your emotions as, like, a barometer. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes you can't all the way lean into our emotions because that might, you know, lead us down a path to destruction. Right. But I think that we need to honor our emotions, to monitor them, and to listen to them. So if you're in a situation and you're feeling, for lack of better terms, if you're feeling more bad than you are good, right. then that's probably a red flag. Like, something is kind of going awry in that relationship, and you should consider that something needs to change or maybe this is not the partner for you. Right. I think other red flags, if you don't trust this person, right. for whatever reason, and I'm not yeah. just talking about cheating. I mean, like, if you legitimately, like, just don't trust them, don't right. trust that you they'll show... Right, you have, like, a bad feeling. Yeah, like, don't trust that, you could, that they'll show up for you, don't think that you can depend on them. I think inconsistency, at least for me, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people, inconsistency is a red flag. Right. How can you have a strong, committed relationship if the person is inconsistent with you? Right. When it comes to green flags of relationships, that's the fun part. And I, again, I think you you use your emotions as a barometer. Mm -hmm. So when you feel more good than right. you feel bad, when you feel you know happy and not just happy but calm, right, content, yeah, not worried, at peace, exactly. Mm -hmm. When you feel those kind of emotions, that's a positive thing. When you can have a disagreement with someone and in the end you can come out closer. Right. I think that's a green flag because it lets you know like no, nothing is ever going to be perfect in any relationship you're going to disagree. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the way that you communicate and how you feel about each other should outweigh all of that. So at some point you guys should maybe come closer in that. So if that happens for you, I would say like think about this. Yeah. Uh, other green flags, I think just being supportive and feeling supported, just the idea that you feel loved and that you can depend on someone. If you start to have those feelings, then really think about that. When someone is consistent, that matters a lot too. Right. That obviously shows their interest. Because mm -hmm. um, I feel like the biggest problem that I've seen when dating, other than I don't think communication has necessarily been an issue, at least not on my part. <laughs> <laughs> but um and I and I emphasize that but I'm not like annoying about it you I know what I mean you. like I'm like a normal sure. communicator <laughs> I'm not aggressive or anything like that but um it's the consistency aspect of it mm -hmm. and I talked about this on prior episodes um when it comes to the way that the dating world is now since it's so easy to get access to different people it makes it difficult mm -hmm. to be consistent in one place yeah so how do you navigate that or how would we navigate that in like this century like um, being consistent in terms of communication when you have so many options. Right. Yeah. So, I, you know, my thing for dating was that at the point when I was dating a lot, mm -hmm. I was very clear that everyone I was dating wasn't husband material. Mm -hmm. um, so, right. so for me, everyone then didn't get access to me the way that I would give access to someone that I want, right. that, I'm, that I want to put in that kind of category. Mm -hmm. And that might sound a little harsh. No, it makes sense. But You're not like everybody that you meet. Yeah. So that being said, like, 
you know, I, I, I wasn't consistent with them and they weren't probably consistent with me. Right. And I would also use that consistency as a barometer. So one, like, mm-hmm. did I actually like them? Like, mm-hmm. who, who did I like? Who did I want to talk to? Who was easy for me to talk to? Right. And also, I think people might miss out on that, but this is important. Like, not just who you like, but who likes you? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people... True. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. A lot of people focus on who they like, but then, like, the, the they, they don't That's like you back. That's actually a really, really good point because you see all the memes with the... I guess maybe less attractive guys. I don't know what the memes are specifically. <laughs> so I guess it might not be the only unattractive guys. But they're saying, like, um, that there's so many good guys and they're, like, being passed up on. And it could be because the girls are more focused on the guys that they like and not the guys who like them. That's yeah. actually a good point. Yeah. And that's kind of what I learned over my dating saga, my many years <laughs> of dating, was that I felt like I was paying attention only to the things that I liked. And a lot of it was right. superficial. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was like, oh, they look really good. Yeah. Right. You know, or, oh, they have a really great job or something. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't on the things that were um, of sustenance. Right. And so as I started to sort of move away from more of the superficial things and think about the things that mattered the most to me Mm -hmm. and tap into my value system, like what I actually valued and what feels good to me, then I started to really focus on who likes me. Right. And who It's funny because you think that'd be obvious, but... (laughs) I don't think it, but it wasn't obvious to me at first. Okay, because it wasn't many, to me. And I see many people out here, and I'm just like, girl, like he's just not into you. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Like, Honestly, let's move on. like we've seen that, yeah. And I for and sure. I and it'd be like amazing women that I know, mm-hmm. and I was like, but he's not into you. But this guy, right. literally, is into you. Right. And I'm trying to understand like what you don't like about him because the things that I think are substantial or matter, mm-hmm. you know, he possesses them. So right. yeah. Because um, you said cause having consistent values is very important. I think so. So I, I really, the older I get and the more I think I get into my profession, I realize that what you value becomes really important. Right. So aligning with someone who has values that are similar to yours, I think, is going to be uh, better. Because I think what happens with relationships is that we don't pay attention to value. So we want to, mm-hmm. like, trivialize someone or, like, villainize someone. Right. Because, oh, they're horrible in relationships. And maybe they are. I don't, you know, I've had some yeah. horrible men that I would say that about. Mm-hmm. And also, I think a part of it is that it's possible that our values just didn't align, and I didn't right. pay attention to that. Right. But the good thing about that is those are easy. Those are like conversations you could have on the first date, which would let you know if that's somebody who's who you might be able to get along with or not in the future. For sure, um, and not just conversations, but you can see how someone lives their life if their values right. are not For sure. aligning. Right. Honestly, pay attention. Right. Um, so next we're going to talk about, before we get into being single, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about ma- managing the emotional impact of breakups. Yeah, that's, that's hard. Girl, I I don't like talking about it because I can just remember I, right, the times honestly. that, like, I was, uh, that, that I was going through breakups mm-hmm. and it was just emotionally, um, it, it, it was so painful. Right. And so I think... My thoughts or tips or recommendations is to honor how you feel because I, I would say that originally what would happen is when I would get into a breakup, like I would try to move away from the feeling so fast mm-hmm. and I would try right. to cover it up or do something so that I wouldn't have to feel it right. as bad. And so by mm-hmm. that, I mean like I was going out and partying a lot or, you know, oh, I'm going to drink or I'm going to go shopping. Mm-hmm. I'm going to busy myself right. because I couldn't deal with just um, how difficult it was mm-hmm. with being with breaking up. And then I think also a part of it was when I was single, a part of me going out so much was that I tried to busy myself so I didn't have to be still. Right. And um, so 
my, my thoughts about that is to are to really give yourself the opportunity to feel what you feel. I like to say now that like I give myself a chance to lean into whatever feeling I have. I sit with it. I just don't sit in it forever. I right. don't like I can't live there, but right. I will sit with it for a little while. And the other piece is sometimes you just got to be still. Right. Because my that would be the hardest thing for me or in the past, like when I was going through a hard breakup or whatever. Because like you said, keeping yourself busy. I would want to, like like you said, to do something to make yourself feel better. So for yeah. me, that might be continuing to communicate with the person that I broke up with, yeah. even though knowing that relationship isn't going to go anywhere. Just really instinctive like things instead of being still, because it's hard. Because when you feel that way, you don't want to feel it. You don't. You don't. You, know? you don't. So I would say being still. And I, and I can, right. I, from, from my experience, clinically and personally, mm -hmm. when I finally was still and I could finally deal with the pain that came with whatever the freak had happened it sucked and it was painful but I was able to move through it mm -hmm. to the point where now I think that um I just am stronger emotionally because of right. it right and I believe that because the on the opposite end of it when you do react that's probably whatever you're doing whether it be spending all your money or just like getting drunk and having hangovers you're most likely going to regret a lot of the decisions that you made when trying to cover up those feelings instead of sitting in them i think that's a great point and and there were so many things that that happened because i wasn't still and right. i was trying to uncover that yeah and then th that i had to add that to the pain mm -hmm. <laughs> you know i had to mm -hmm. add what i did to right. cover up the pain right it doesn't to make the you pain. feel better either it didn't because so know? In psychology, we call it like coping skills. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that term before? Mm. It's just a fancy term that means essentially what you do to make yourself feel better. Right. And so no matter what you think, you're always doing something to cope. Right. You're always engaging in coping. So the skills that we need would be, like you said, being still, for example, right? So being still, I think right. maybe you need to go to therapy, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I, talk it out. I think my support system, my girlfriends, mm -hmm. um, even family, even if I didn't tell them what exactly was going on, but just yeah. being around them, that was super helpful. Mm -hmm. um, meditation, yoga. For me, it was always leaning into spirituality. Right. And, you know, I would go to church or go to read the Bible or just being still and just try to hear from God. Right. So whatever your faith system is, if you have one, then you might lean a little bit more into that. Right. And then I always say, like, personal growth and development. One thing about me is that every time, like, I went through a breakup, I might be messed up for a while. Mm -hmm. But after that, on the other side, I was coming out, right. like, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I would say focus on something about yourself that you want to grow or develop develop about yourself, whether that be personally or professionally. Right. Um, that That's kind of, like, what was helpful for me. But you have to go through the emotional process right. of it. Because you do have that energy. You know, so directing it into something positive is definitely, like, a good route to take, for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. So when it comes to managing emotional impact of breakups, um, another note that I had taken down was being realistic in regards to relationships ending, which is something you mentioned oh, to me. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I hope this doesn't sound harsh. I feel like it doesn't. I think that <laughs> yeah. it's, it's reasonable. So... If you are someone who desires to be, for example, married or like mm -hmm. in a monogamous long-term romantic partnership with someone, and if hypothetically that's just one person and you are a person that likes to date a lot or just by, by chance you date a lot like I was, mm -hmm. 
then you're going to have a lot of relationships in. Right. Because hypothetically speaking, there should really be one, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So I think just being realistic that not every relationship is meant to last. And so relationships, many of them are going to end and having to appreciate and understand that cycle. And I think one of the things that I that I got as I got closer to finding, you know, my boo, Mm -hmm. I was progressively getting better at dating. I was noticing that as I was dating more people and getting into more relationships, I was choosing a little bit better. And I was also just being better in terms of communication. And one of those things, and I remember it distinctly, was having to end a relationship with someone. It wasn't like a commit, it wasn't an official committed relationship, Mm -hmm. but I had to honor that me and this person, like we were hanging out really tough. If I needed him, I'd call him up, ask for help. Like, and I actually deeply cared about him, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that I knew that our, like our lives, our values, our visions just didn't align. Right. So how do you go about doing that? I had a conversation. Yeah, like, but then <laughs> did he just agree? I mean, no. He wanted to maintain the relationship. Right, because I've had that same experience where I tried to communicate that. Yeah. And on the opposite end, they were like, no, like, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep doing this. Like, it's cool. Like, this is cool. But so for me, I'm just like, no, I need your response to be that you understand that you agree because I need us to be on the same page. It makes it difficult for you to want that from me. Yeah. And then for me to stop giving it to you because it is cool, but it's not what I want like at the end of the day so that ended up lasting longer than I expected and then I subconsciously and sub and consciously did something that ended the relationship period sure and that for me gave me closure that I needed because I couldn't communicate it with him because he wasn't on the same page as me so obviously that wasn't the right route to take but I just didn't know what to do yeah and I've been there too and so I think with that relationship, I can speak. I think it was maybe a little bit similar because I think it it lasted longer than I had anticipated or expected. And I had had a conversation prior to that. And then, like, we kind of kept going. So I had to make the decision for myself that, like, this is really going to be, like, the end of that. And Mm so I, I wasn't asking for permission. Right. I was just wanting to honor what we had that it it was meaningful to me, that he was special to me, that I appreciated who he was to me and what he had, like the gift that he had given. And I appreciated Mm -hmm. our time. And so for me, it was kind of like symbolic and um, a way to, like ceremonial in a sense. And so I had the conversation. I felt bad because like I cried and I felt like you're breaking up with someone. Right. (laughs) And you're not even, you know what I mean? And then you're still cool after. It's just like on, the relationship just changes a little bit. Yeah. And well, for me, and this is, I... For me, I ended up just dis- like not communicating. Yeah. For me, it was just easier, and I think just better mm-hmm. for me to. I, I tend to right. cut ties romantically with people. Like yeah. when I'm done with you, like right. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's the best thing. I'm just saying that's what works for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think that have, having having that, re- that that conversation with him was just really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And um, it is something that I hadn't really done in the past. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess I probably just didn't. When, when I got the response that I didn't expect, which was like, no, we're good. <laughs> I think that's where I was probably thrown off. So yeah. my communication in regards to the situation wasn't as good. It wasn't as direct. And I guess maybe I, it did feel like I was asking for permission. No, no, <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, Well, no, it didn't. It, <laughs> I should have... I'm saying in regard, I mean, that situation's over and done with at this point, yeah. but for like future reference, oh, like gotcha. making my point clear instead of yeah. being like, oh, well, this is kind of what I'm feeling and this is like what I'm thinking. Because they're like, oh, no, you'll be okay. Like, you won't feel like this next week or whatever. It's <laughs> like, no, like I'm telling you right now that this has been feeling this way for like a long time. And even if the feeling goes away, it always comes back, which is the problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Well, give yourself the space and like the compassion around like sometimes these things change or sometimes you might waver a bit. But when you really are ready, if, if you do choose right. to end it, that you don't need permission from someone. And just here's the other thing. Like, I think what would happen is that like I might meet a nice guy and so I'll be like, well, he's really nice. Mm -hmm. So I should, you know, I should talk to him or make this work. But sometimes I feel like that's because I set the bar, like the bar was so low for men mm -hmm. that like just being nice was right. enough. Right. And that's Honestly, not true either. Right. Yeah, definitely not. Um, but that goes into how do we manage being single? Yeah. Because th th that's the thing that had gotten me with why that relationship lasted longer than it did. Yeah. Because we weren't in a committed relationship um, for different reasons. One of the main reasons, supposedly, was that we were living in different states, which obviously oh, is a good reason. Okay. One of one of many reasons. But I was still single after we had discussed that a relationship between us wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. But we were still romantically involved every now and then when we saw each other. But for me, it was kind of comforting when we did have those moments of time because I was still single and I yeah. wasn't committed to anybody and it was somebody that I cared about. So... That's why it lasted longer, but relationships like that tend to linger longer because I am single and I don't have any one person yep. to mm -hmm. be um, faithful to, I guess you'd say. Um, so I feel like I struggle with cutting those people off because without those people, then I am really, really by single, myself. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a, that, it it, it kind of sucks when you <laughs> don't have any prospects. Like, you right. know, it, that's yeah. a hard. Girl, let me tell you. <laughs> That is so hard, and that's probably why also for me in the past, I would always have, I would often have something. like well, I, I don't know how to, though, because my problem with having, because I've read <laughs> and I've been told that yeah. having multiple prospects does help because then you find one person, you give all your energy to that person, you have different expectations when that person might not be doing the same. They might have multiple prospects, too, which I think is realistic to understand um, when dating, but... I am not good at giving multiple people, mm. like communicating with multiple people mm -hmm. because not everybody peaks, not, not so sure. many people, like a small number of people peak my interest. Yeah. Like, girl, nobody <laughs> <laughs> at this point, like zero. I'm not <laughs> zero right now. And I don't think it's because I'm picky, but it's because I want to communicate with people that I have um, like a connection with, yeah. like a natural connection yeah. with. And those aren't yeah. easy to find, which They're is not. why cutting those people off is difficult because we had the connection, but we didn't have values. Yep, yep, yep. So now I'm by myself, chilling. Let's take a moment of silence. Right. I I think that you're kind of speaking to yourself around this. Like, you, I think you have some some good jewels in there. Mm -hmm. and, I, and the thing I want to pull out from what you said is that not everyone is going to pique your interest and not everyone is going to be a good fit for you. Right. So I think reminding yourself that, that, that you're making a conscious choice to be single in right. this season or at this time mm -hmm. in your life because you don't want just any and everybody. Right. And sometimes taking that road, it is not going to be fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it might be a lonely road sometimes, but I think in the end, if you take the road in, in a way that leads to your own personal growth development and you take care of yourself emotionally, I think right. in the end you end up winning. Yeah. So my thoughts around that would just was would be to kind of embrace or lean into your single seasons, mm -hmm. even though they're extremely lonely and painful and they can be isolating. Right. And whatever you need to do, like do that to cope in a way, in a healthy way mm -hmm. that is going to help you manage it. So whether that is going to therapy, whether that is making sure that you really tap into your social support system. I like to think that when you really dig and, and like really give to yourself, like truly give to yourself mm -hmm. and kind of accept whatever it is that 
what ends up happening is that what you want does come to you. Right. Like from a spiritual or, well, yeah, from a spiritual perspective, I totally believe that God, what God has for me is the best. And I believe that God wants what I want for myself. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not, but, (laughs) (laughs) right. But I believe that our wants are aligned. And I, and I do believe that like God had a partner. for me. You're not going to not want who he wants for you. Exactly. That's the point. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I can say that I had a, a single, that it wasn't until I really started to kind of at least give myself a clean slate and like break off all of like the extra baggage right. and was like alone for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was actually more so tapping into my spiritual beliefs. Mm-hmm. That may not be true for everyone. Right. Maybe it's tapping into your emotional abilities or whatever. But for me, it was tapping into my spiritual connection to God and then also my emotional connection to myself. And right. when I was focused on those things, I really started to for the first time in my life, I genuinely wanted what God wanted for me. Right. Like, and I can, I, I don't even feel that way now. Like, and that's not. I'm just like I, I. I'm not. I'm not that connected the way that I was at that point in right, my life. Right. I feel you. Like it was like the moment in time. Yes, it was mm-hmm. like a moment in time where I was so connected, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that everything was well within my soul. Like I felt at content. Right. I felt at peace. Nothing could shake me. Like bad things for could could happen to me didn't shake me. Right. Um, guy, somebody can upset me didn't shake me. And I just had peace in my spirit and my soul. And my partner came into my life, like, after I had been in that space for a little while. Right. Did you know that when you got to that space that you were setting yourself up for success or did you not think about it? I didn't really think about it. Because I have finally, mm-hmm. for the first time in my singleness, the last relationship I had, I think was 2016, girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh-huh. That was four years ago. So now so the the relationship i said that i kind of ended mm-hmm. on my own um that lasted longer than expected since that ended he, that was the last of them mm-hmm. <laughs> basically um i deleted my dating apps just because i was just sick of putting yeah. my energy there and not getting the results that i wanted i've done that multiple times this is the first time it's been weeks now like i've actually <laughs> not even thought about it like wow. like when i'm you know at home chilling not wanting to see who was out there, I've been like perfectly fine by myself for the first time. And I think it's because I don't want to give energy to people without, with expectations that I shouldn't necessarily have, which I think was a problem. And I'm not going to even go back there and get myself into the situation I was in. So I'm not going to attempt to do it with less expectations. We're just going to chill here. But it's the first time that I felt that way. And I know for a fact that something's not going to work out for me unless I stay in that place. Yeah. So I will not read out all those apps, okay? <laughs> and I will not go back to those relationships that were there that were lingering and shouldn't be there. So I'm actually glad I cut it off the way, kind not the way that I did, but like yeah. I'm glad that I got the closure that I needed for that to be ended because it was a part of the reason why I felt lonely because mm-hmm. somebody I cared about didn't mm-hmm. care about me enough to want to try to make a relationship exactly. work. So yeah, that had to, <laughs> had to. I needed that closure for myself to move on yeah. um, in my singleness. So I'm finally in a space where. I'm not even thinking about, like, I haven't even put on makeup. <laughs> like, my hair usually is done, like, weekly, and it's just been, like, in my cute little puff. Yeah. Um, which is way more chill and way more relaxing than feeling like I need to dress up, put makeup on when I go out expecting to get attention from somebody when nobody owes me that, <laughs> first of all. But, you know. I understand. When you look cute, you want to be appreciated. But yep. I've just been, like, so much more relaxed, so much more comfortable in my own skin and not yeah. concerned with, anybody else 
you know, filling a space for me to be happy. But like I said, I remember that knowing that is going to put me in a place to hopefully find who that person is. And honestly, worst case scenario is it doesn't, but I'm still happy in my singleness. Exactly. For however long that's going to Exactly. Last. I think what you're doing is wonderful, like in terms of just tapping into yourself and, and tapping into to growth and to your own wellness and your own self-care. Right. And I think, I think that there's a spirit of openness to whatever is supposed to come your way. Right. So it sounds like you're in that place. And I can say that that is a place, a similar place to where I was, mm-hmm. um, like just really similar. I actually deleted my apps too. I just stopped. I, cause I didn't care about texting people like that. Yeah. I just didn't really <laughs> care. Um, and I was just, Oh my! I was just um, I was just in my own world, and it felt honestly really good. Right, it honestly, felt really good. Um, so now that we're in a pandemic, a lot of people are kind of yeah pressured, I think, into that space, yeah. and they might not be ready for that. So, would you have any advice for the people who are single during the pandemic? Because of course, it's more lonelier now than like ever. Yeah, I have a lot of empathy for that because I think that making a conscious effort to put yourself in that space is hard enough, Mm -hmm. but being thrown into that space without um, any warning is extremely difficult. And so I just want to say like, just having compassion for yourself and the situation is important and tapping into whatever it is that you think that you could use this time to better yourself. I feel like a lot of this is just really about personal development, growth, and betterment, and emotional wellness and well-being, and Mm -hmm. spiritual connectedness and well-being. Right. Um, And also, I will say that I have heard of some pandemic love and pandemic romance. Mm -hmm. I have two good friends who have had booze, like gotten booze in this situation, who were single for long periods of time Mm -hmm. before the pandemic. Right. So... I'd say that I wouldn't cut off the possibility that it is possible. And also while you're in this space, really try to folk, like try to take, like when else are you ever going to have the time to like, just really be still like this right? where you don't have anything to really do to uh, distract you. Mm -hmm. So I say, come out of this pandemic better than you went in. Right. And also to be open to love in any kind of way, but not to like, obsessed with it and, right. I, and that's hard to say and I, and I realize that I'm in a position where like I do have love right now and it, and it does feel good no but you're right though and, and one of the things for me um is noticing the triggers that make me feel lonely mm. and avoiding those yeah and a simple one would be like romantic comedies like I can't yeah yeah <laughs> like I just cannot do it <laughs> that makes um sense. for example but there are things that I could see like relationships on social media and that gives me hope but seeing mm-hmm. it in like a movie setting I'm just like disgusted <laughs> no that's fair it triggers me i don't know that's fair um i used to be the opposite i hated seeing it on social media but oh, i could see. watch a movie and cry on the romantic oh, comedy girl, i can't i can't i can't but recognizing what those triggers were and cutting those um things off so i just avoid watching movies that make me feel emotionally um sad i guess or yeah. lonely or yeah. whatever those things may be that's my number one uh idea that comes off the top of my head i'm sure there are others but either way i encourage people to recognize what those things are that trigger you. And they could be people too, honestly, different conversations that you're having a number of different things, but definitely keep in mind what those things are, including if it's social media. Cause I know a lot of people who are taking time away from social media because they know that it's triggering them. And that might not be because of being lonely. It could be because I don't know, maybe they're taking too much time doing it or whatever um, the case may be. But 
I would way. agree. And I, so I think that you find whatever you need to do to give yourself the space to, to really focus on you. Right. If it's romantic comedies, don't do that. If it's social <laughs> media, take some space. Mm-hmm. And as you're stepping away from things that are no longer like serving you or making you feel bad in the moment, put yourself in spaces that make you feel good, that allow you to grow, that allow you to be connected to your spiritual faith or your emotional well-being or just the people that you love. Mm -hmm. Right. And for me, that one of the things that I do is my podcast. So here we are. Exactly. I love it. it. Man, I have to put so much time and energy into it. I didn't even realize, but now... Before, I, I think I was bothered by it because it would distract me from doing the things that I wanted to do, like maybe going on a date or swiping through apps. Exactly. Um, but now that I've kind of put that aside, I'm excited to do it, and I'm kind of putting more energy into it, and I think it's gotten better because of that. So here we are. I know. Thank <laughs> you. And I'm happy to see that this that the pandemic could birth something so right. amazing. Honestly, yeah. So I would encourage great. other people that if there is something yeah, that, for sure. um, that you, that your p- passion that you had right. or some purpose that you had or just a vision for your life to really take this time to be still and to maybe work on progressing that vision and, and maybe being active in progressing towards that vision. Definitely. Because a lot of people are sitting around they, they could be doing things. They could they do it. They have a lot of time. You know. They have a lot of time. Don't waste the time, guys. <laughs> Don't waste it. But thank you so much, Dr. Akila, for joining me today. I yeah. appreciate it. I have learned so much, and hopefully the listeners have as well. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Single AF 101, a dating podcast for everyone.